Well, good evening, church. How are you tonight? Good evening. Good to see you guys here tonight. Uh, my name is Boomer Roland. I'm the children's pastor at Rimrock, and my pleasure to be able to uh, share with you guys tonight from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, grab, uh, uh, look at um, Matthew chapter 7 is where we are tonight, Matthew chapter 7. And um, when uh, my wife Angie and I uh, got married, we bought our, when we bought our very first house, you know, I mean, it was our first house. So, I mean, it was just great, wasn't it? It was so cute. We didn't have any idea what to ask about or what to look at in a house or any of that. So we found out later that it had horribly bad windows and it had a short-term furnace and, you know, all kinds of good things like that. But one of the things that we were very excited about was that in this beautiful backyard that it had, that there were these fruit trees. And we were like, yeah, we're going to be fruit tree owners, right? I mean, like that sounded like that was like we had arrived. Like there were enough trees back there, like four, that we just called it an orchard and, and like we went with it, you know? Like we were excited and we moved in in the time of year that we had no idea what kind of fruit trees we had back there. No idea. So as the, you know, later summer and fall started coming, then we got to we got very excited to see what kind of trees we had. We actually, we had a pear tree. That was kind of cool. That sounds very upscale, doesn't it? Uh, we, had, um, we had a couple of apple trees, and, um, and we had a cherry tree, which I had to really work at not hacking down with an axe just so I'd have stories to tell my kids. I promise, I don't know what, if that's even true, that whole thing about, yeah, about George Washington, and I don't even know if that's true. It doesn't matter. But the point was we had a cherry tree. The interesting fact about the whole orchard in our backyard thing was all of the apples had bugs in them, and uh, the birds enjoyed all of the cherries, and the, the pears were more like rocks. And so um, that, you know, on top of bad windows and a short-term furnace, we're glad that we're not living in that house anymore. But we had fruit trees. That was pretty cool. Um, so it inspired me. That story tonight inspired me a little bit. I want to just do a little pop quiz for you. We're back in school, um, and we all love uh, pop quizzes, don't we? Here's the cool thing. You can just keep score right on your hands. There are only seven questions. So as long as you have seven fingers, you can keep track of how many you get right. That's what we're going to do. So Jack's going to put a picture up on the screen, and I'd like you to try to guess what fruit... It is by the leaves on the tree, okay? So th just think it in your mind. It's, a, you know, it's going to be the honor system, and there are absolutely no prizes. So um, did I mention I'm the children's pastor? Right. So I like things like this. So take a look at the, the leaves. Have in your mind what fruit do you think grows on that tree? Well, don't say it out loud. Now everybody's going to like either get it right or wrong because they're cheating off you. All right, let's see. Uh, Jack, put up the answer. Ooh, an apple. Did anybody say apple? 
Wow, good job. Excellent. Okay, you must have an orchard. Okay, good. Um, Let's do the next one. Okay, take a look at the leaves. You got your answer in your mind. Jack, let's see if they're right. Orange. Anybody say orange? Okay, so see, I put like normal stuff up front. I'm thinking like, let's get warmed up. You know, these are like normal Christmassy fruits so far. So now let's see what let's see what comes next. Put the next one up, Jack. All right. So check out the leaves. You got your guess in mind. Go, Jack. Okay, does anybody even know what that is? Right, it's a plum. Excellent. It's like a purple or something. Yes, it's a plum. Anybody guess plum? No, of course you didn't. Okay, let's try another one. Oh, check out the leaves. Some of you guys are like evaluating the shape of what I, right? Okay, you got your answer in mind. Go, Jack. Oh, avocados. You didn't see that one coming, did you? You guys are thinking, wait a second, that's probably a vegetable. I don't know if it is or not, but it grows on a tree, so I put it in there. All right, let's try this one. Here we go. Okay, got your answer in mind. Here we go. There's the pear. Some of you guys were guessing pear on the last one. Ah, A little tricky. All right, now, is there anybody in here that doesn't have one right yet? Like you have no fingers up. Anybody? You've missed every one of them. All right, so I put in here now. I'll make sure that it's coming. Okay, so I put in here one more tricky one, and then... I, I, I put in a softball at the end, so everybody should get at least one right, but it's not going to be this one. All right, go ahead, Jack. Okay, check it out. Hmm. Okay, you got your guess? Here it is. Ah, Pete, did you get that right? Nice job, good job. All right, here's the softball one. Everybody should get this one right. Uh, Jack, go ahead and put it up. Huh. I will not ask at the end of this whether you got this one right, but you really should get this one right. Okay, Jack, go ahead. Excellent. They're bananas, by the way. I don't know what that big purple thing is on the bottom, but I went ahead and took it out of the first picture because it was a little scary to me. So anyway, uh, anybody get uh, five right? Anybody get five right? You got five right? Oh, one right. Anybody get four right? Three right? Two right? Two? A couple of you got two. Anybody just get one right? Some of you got one right. Anybody get none right? I tried to put an easy one right at the end. Guys, we're, uh, we're just uh, finishing the last couple weeks here of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we're, uh, we're coming to the end, Jesus is finishing this this uh, long sermon that he's giving to the people. And um, he kind of comes down to, it's almost like he's wrapping the whole thing up. And he's, he wants to give his disciples, he wants to explain to them that 
You've got a couple of choices to make. Based on all that we've learned about what the kingdom of God is really about, right? He, he talks about that in chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, he says, based on what God's kingdom is like, how do we relate to God? And now in chapter 7, he's saying, and based on the kingdom and how we relate to God, how do we relate to other people? And so we're, we're right in the last verses of this chapter. And Jesus is saying, there are choices that you have to make. There are decisions that you have to um, choose between. And so last week we looked at verses 13 and 14, where Jesus says there are, there are two paths, right? There are two gates, there are two roads, um, and you have to choose one. You can't travel on both because they go in opposite directions, but you have to choose. You can choose the road where the gate is wide and the, the road is broad. And honestly, the traveling on that is relatively easy because you set the rules. You decide whatever you want to do. When I was in uh, elementary school, I, didn't, I really didn't like to read. I didn't really start reading book books until high school, and I discovered that I kind of like to read. But the one kind of book that I like to read in elementary school was the Choose Your Own Endings book, right? So you get to a place in the thing, and it would say, what, do you want to, what does this character want to do? Does he want to jump off the cliff, or does he want to kiss that snake? And I'm like, are those my only two choices? I don't like either one of them, right? But the broad path is kind of that choose-your-own destination, Right? You get to pick, and it makes it easy, and there's not a lot of sacrifice that happens. But Jesus describes another path, and he says, the gate is narrow, the road is hard to walk. It takes sacrifice, and it takes, um, it, it's difficult, it's costly. We have to give some things up. But the difference in those roads isn't just how wide or narrow they are. But it's the destination. He says that that wide path leads to death. But the narrow path, the one that's costly, the one that's difficult, it leads to life. And he says you've got to choose. And all of us are faced with that choice of which path are we going to journey down. So we looked at that last week. And then this week and next week, we're going to look at what... What comes from our choice? What path we're walking down um, produces some things in our life. And so Jesus begins to describe those. And then next, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll finish the sermon. And Jesus, (laughs) that sounded kind of weird, didn't it? Like you guys were thinking I should have packed a lunch. I don't mean my sermon's going to last two weeks. I mean... Jesus' sermon, we're going to wrap up in two weeks. And when we get there, Jesus is going to say, there are some results that come from your choice of path. Not just death and life, but how does your life endure? How does it weather the storms that every life, every person has to weather? And then when we stand before the Father, which every person will do, and he looks at our life, how will we fare? 
So the two paths are critically important for us. But tonight we're going to be looking at some of the evidences um, of what a life looks like on those paths. Our verses, our, our section of scripture for tonight is Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 15. This is what it says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or get figs from thistles? Verse 17, Jesus says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear a bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit... You will recognize them. If you've chosen to walk on that harder road, then somewhere along the way you've encountered Jesus and you've made the decision to surrender to Him. That narrow road is costly, it's tough. It requires sacrifice. In fact, it requires that we check our baggage, our our sin baggage and our worldly baggage at the gate. And we walk without that stuff. And it's a sacrifice. We give up our own desires, our own plans, our own dreams and goals. And we replace those with, not my will, but your will be done. But when we begin to journey on that road, what we find is that because we've had that encounter with Jesus, because we've made the decision to surrender ourselves to him, then he begins to produce true righteousness in us. Warren Wiersbe in one of his commentaries says this, true faith in Christ changes the life and produces fruit For God's glory. Life on that narrow road includes pruning. Right? Uh, uh, A a cutting away of the things that are not productive. The cutting away of the things that are not helpful. The cutting away of the things that are not godly and not holy. That aren't of him. And he cuts those away. When I was a kid, um, the house that we grew up in that I spent most of my years growing up, um, we had a, a grape, I don't know what you call it, like a row of grapes. What do you call that? Oh, maybe, like if I had two rows of grapes, I would go with the vineyard, like I have a vineyard, like kind of like my orchard, right? So I don't know what you call it, but there was one fence row and it had grapes growing on it. That's, that's what I'll say. I know nothing about grapes but I like the ones that I buy in the store, uh, whether they're green or red or whatever. I like those. But the grapes that grew next to my house, they weren't that good. Uh, so I'm not sure what we were supposed to use them for, but they, were, they weren't good. But here's what I remember. Soon after we moved in, we had a guy named Mr. Cunningham. He was an older man in our church. 
apparently knew about grapes and stuff. So my mom and dad invited him to come out and to prune the grape thing, whatever that's called. And I got to help, right? So he spent the whole afternoon or the whole however long it was. It seemed like a month. Uh, cut showing me where to cut and how to cut and which ones to cut. And when we got done with that whole thing, we had just a pile of branches laying on the ground. And I thought for sure we had messed the thing up because about the only thing left were the really big vines that were coming out of the ground. And I thought, oh, I didn't know at that point that the grapes were gross. Otherwise, I would have been like, I see your plan. (laughs) Kill those things. But the next season, dude, we had more grapes than we knew what to do with. And that was even if they were good grapes and kind of really cool. But these weren't cool. And so we definitely had more than we knew what to do with. Have no idea what to do with the grapes. But the point was that when we got done, I thought, oh, there is so much that got cut away. How can what's left even survive? And yet it made it healthier. And when we're on that narrow road, God prunes us. He cuts and he cuts and he cuts and he cuts. And there are times in the midst of that that we go, is there anything left? And yet what we find is that we are healthier at the end of it because of what the master gardener has taken away. In our verses tonight, Jesus is warning everyone or warning us that not everyone who claims to have the truth is honest. What does he say? He describes them. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Right? There's a, there's a deception that he's warning us about. He's saying some people sound really good. In fact, some people look pretty good. But there's more than what meets the eye there. And he's telling us as believers, as followers of Christ, he's saying, have your eyes open. Watch and look and listen to what's being taught. Because many of these false prophets are coming with a, a twisted theology and a self-serving approach to ministry. And Jesus is saying, don't just take everything at face value. Test it and measure it against my word. Measure it against the truth. Many of these false prophets, they sound right. They say right sounding words, but it's their lives that reveal the truth. It's their lives that reveal the truth. In fact, that's what Jesus says in this next section that we're going to explore next week. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. It's got to be more than just our words or to, to listen to what someone says. But their life has to back it up. Their life has to back it up. 
Honestly, I think that in our culture, the access to uh, podcasts and sermons and teaching online from people that we don't even know, I think there's a danger to just listening to someone's preaching without really knowing that person because their words can sound great but we don't get a chance to see their lives. I think we face that sometimes even in large churches where we can see somebody who's on a stage and we hear their words, but do we get to know them and their life? Are there inconsistencies? Because a person's life is going to reveal what's inside. In nature, a tree always produces after its kind. It's one of the rules that God established at creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the, true, the same is true in the spiritual realm, that a life produces what it's rooted where at its core, at its center, at its heart, a life produces what's there in the middle. If you look at the parallel to, the, to Matthew's um, account of the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at Luke's version of Jesus' teaching on this subject, this is how Luke wrote it down. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In the NIV, it says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's at our core is going to come out. We can fake that for a while. We can deceive other people for a while. But eventually what's most important in us is going to come out. And it really is an indication uh, of what this whole sermon is about. That, that verse, the, the verse in Luke chapter 6, verse 43, it prompts this question that says, well, what does that mean then if I sin? Does that mean that I'm not on the road to life? Does it mean that I'm not really saved if I sin? And the answer to that is no. If that was true, that, that we don't sin once we're on that narrow road, if that was true, then the Bible wouldn't be full of warnings and cautions and instructions on um, how to deal with temptation and, and, uh, and, and, and resisting sin and how to repent from sin and how to uh, reconnect um, with our Father when, we've, uh, when we have sinned. It wouldn't be full of those things. And so the answer is no, but here one commentator said it this way, believers do sin, but the witness of their words and works is consistently good to the glory of God. Servants of God who are faithful will reproduce themselves in people who are in turn true to the Lord. 
There's a reproducing that happens. What's in our core comes out. Doesn't mean that there aren't times that we we choose to do something different or or we um, or we sin inadvertently. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that the the direction of our life, the um, the aggregate of our life, is giving glory to God. It's the thing that marks us. It's kind of like my apple tree that produced apples that, that weren't really great. It doesn't mean the apple tree was bad. It meant the bugs got in there. I don't know what made the pears hard as rocks, but maybe it was bad. I should have cut it down and burned it, right? But a life is going to produce what's at its core, in fact, the key to this whole discussion tonight and really the whole Sermon on the Mount is the condition of one's heart. How is your heart? And really the question that I have to ask tonight and that I want you to consider tonight is has your heart been changed by Jesus? When the people were listening to Jesus Give the Sermon on the Mount. We'll notice this at the very end. It says that the people were amazed because Jesus spoke as one who had authority. Compared to who? Compared to the Pharisees who were all about looking right. Follow the rules. Do the right things. Look right. But the Pharisees, they overlooked the heart. The motive behind it. And here's Jesus saying the heart matters. We see it a ton in chapter 5. We see it again in chapter 6. And now we see it in chapter 7. It's the heart that God's most concerned with. Because it's out of the heart, your core, that life flows. What kind of life? So has your heart been changed by Jesus? If yes then your life will show a change. There will be a time when you surrender your life to Christ that life is different now than it was before you met Christ. Has there been a change, a shift in your life? It's one of the markers, one of the, one of the evidences that you've surrendered yourself, that you'll experience some pruning. There should be conversations that you're having with the Lord where he's saying that needs to go and that needs to go and that needs to go and then he replaces it with something that's far sweeter although not easier he makes room for the growth that he wants to produce and it's a life that'll be marked by sacrifice so how can we know I think we really have to ask ourselves, has our faith in Christ cost us something? Has our faith in Christ cost us something? It's one of the markers of the narrow road. It's costly. And as you wrestle with those two questions, has my heart been changed by Jesus? Has my faith in Christ cost me something? As you wrestle with those two questions, you may say to yourself, 
I'm not sure that it has. Which then becomes this really important, critical place where you have to interface with the Lord. You have to, you've got to have a really honest conversation with him. To ask him, would you reveal what's true? Have I fully surrendered myself to you? And the good news is that tonight it may not be too late for you. That even tonight you've got the opportunity to respond to his offer of life. And the cool thing about God's plan is there aren't a lot of hoops to jump through. There's really a couple of things. And the first one is to admit that you're a sinner and you need a savior. That you can't do it on your own but you need him in your life. The second thing is to believe that the, the Savior, the one who can rescue you, is Jesus Christ, the person. And then trust him to do that work. Not a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of my effort, but Jesus and my surrender to him. And then tell somebody, share your story. But the Bible makes it that simple. Discover or realize or admit that you need a sinner, a savior, and that Jesus is the only one who can save you. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Through the gates on the narrow road and on the way, to a life that is fulfilling and challenging. Let me pray for us tonight as we're asking ourselves those questions. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the time um, to be in your word, to be um, listening. But Father, these, these questions are so important. Father, I pray that we don't just breeze past them but God that we would continue to ask ourselves or that we would ask ourselves these questions tonight has my faith cost me something Father as we um, as we spend some time just being quiet and listening or singing this song Father would you just stir your spirit in us Father not with unreasonable doubt but Father with the truth that says man child you are mine and you can rest assured in that or I don't know you but I want to know you and I've paved the way to know you. Will you respond to me? Father, would you, would you speak to our spirits tonight? Would you, would you touch our hearts tonight? Would you, would you move our minds to focus on you as we think about those questions? We love you. Amen.